Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 58. 58. The Erho Bakanainen episode. Ooh, Thank you for Hampus Lindholm. Um, is, he in really, the, is he playing in the NHL right now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's still on Anaheim's active roster. But um, oh episode 58 of the uh, Something's Brewing podcast, as always, brought to you by the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow our social account on Twitter at Bruin Something, no G at the end. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Um, 28 more sleeps until the start of the Boston Bruin season. By the time you're listening to this, 27, maybe 26, maybe 25. Who knows? But we're, <laughs> we're approaching the season quickly. Um, a lot to be excited for. We got some potential PTOs that are going to join the team. Obviously, you know, Alex Chason, Danton Heinen. Um, we're going to get a new look sort of at the back end. No Connor Clifton. Kevin Shattenkirk is <sighs> back there. Um, a complete mystery bottom six. Um, especially with the PTO signings. It's going to be an interesting year. We got young guys who could potentially make the jump up to the team too. Um, we got the prospects challenge coming up in the next week. And um, yeah, so, I mean, th- there's a lot leading up into the start of the season to kind of keep your eye on. But before we get into the you know hockey talk, Nick, what's up? What you been up to? Any golf this weekend? Trips down to the Cape? What you been up to? Oh man, same old, same old man. No golf this weekend. Uh, I stayed home because I am going on vacation next weekend. Let's go, let's oh, go, yeah. let's hear it in the chat, baby. <laughs> going on vacation, I'm going to uh, South Carolina with my family as well as nice. good old Conwalk, the boy we play EASHL with on Thursdays, as well as his family. Oh, yeah. So it should be a good time. But here's our dilemma: our oh. flight, our oh. flight. I don't know if you've been watching the news. There's a big old fat juicy hurricane that's about to roar up the East Coast. That's going to maybe, depending on this uh, pressure system, whatever it is that's in the Wherever. This is this is where we need uh, Ethan to this come. This is where in. we need he's Ethan. Doing, yeah, yeah, we need his, uh, his um. We need a second. Ethan's weather. I think he's in segment. like Montana right now. If if no, you follow dude, Ethan, I thought on he Twitter. was in Alaska. No, he no. was. Because it was, I thought he was sharing pictures of this town called Glacier, and no. it was some of the most amazing scenery I've seen. I believe like, that's. I thought that's. I believe that's the Glacier National Park. Oh, maybe it is. Oh. Well, I mean, wherever. Uh, hey, we're, Ethan, we're showing you're have colors text right me, now. Let me know where you are. Either way, wherever <laughs> you are, it's <laughs> it's it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, no, there's there's this storm that's about to be rearing up the East Coast, and it's gonna. Maybe if it does hit us, it's going to hit Cape Cod, maybe like Boston, like super Eastern mass Friday night into Saturday morning. Take a wild guess. 
when my flight is and where we're leaving. Directly in the hurricane path. We are departing Boston Mass Logan Airport at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. So I'm oh, willing God. to bet that our flight might get canceled. And if it does, we're going to hop in a car and just hit the road. I think it's about a 14-hour ride. That shit, I'm going to have to... I hope that there's a whole lot of Dunkin' Donuts on the highway on the way down there because I'm going to have to make a lot of stops throughout the course of the night. But, uh, yes? Speaking about Dunkin' Donuts, I tried Dunkin's new spiked drink. Oh, how was it? I thought you were going to say you tried Dunkin' Pumpkin. No, no, never. Have you, have you ever had Dunkin' Pumpkin? Never. Well, I mean... What? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I just you know like, how I feel about pumpkin. Listen, I just I, I like my coffee the way that I like it. I don't change up. I drink coffee to get me through the day. I don't drink it for the taste. What's your? I bet you get the Charlie. What's the Charlie? You know the Charlie D'Amelio. How she had that drink at Dunks. It was like a. See, I didn't even know that. I didn't. I. I'm so. <laughs> dude, I'm so out of the loop on this kind of stuff. No, listen, um, listen. Whoa, voice next, crack. next next time you go to Dunks, which is probably tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. get yourself a medium iced coffee with pumpkin swirl and oat milk. It'll change your life. You'll have a new like it's Am I you'll gonna hear be colors energized? and see sounds. You'll Am be everything. Be iced. everything you'll be iced. you'll be weaponized. Halloweenized. <laughs> you'll you'll have the best day of work <laughs> Did you say weaponized? Yeah. Listen, I'm like whenever it's gonna turn when, me into a missile. Whenever like a limited edition or like a seasonal item comes out, I drink it or I eat it until I can't anymore because it's, I mean, you never know, like they're going to take it away pretty soon. Like I was talking on Twitter the other day, I don't remember with who, but when Halloween comes around and Dunkin' Donuts has their peanut butter iced coffee. Oh my God. Oh, shut up. Dude, none of this sounds attractive to me at all. What is wrong with you? I just like my coffee the way that I like I'm it. I'm a blue collar guy. I go in there with my pack of darts. I get a black coffee. <laughs> I, well, you nailed my coffee, right? Oh my, what is wrong with you? I got, you want to hear my Dunkin' order every morning? I have it loaded up on my phone. So the first thing I do before I leave my door is I hit that mobile order. Yeah. What is it? I get a large ice black with an oh. order of hash browns and an occasional glazed donut. Uh, Dunkin' hash browns are insane, but why are you drinking black coffee? You're not even in your 70s yet. Because I, because it, 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 listen, black coffee is like a shot of adrenaline. There's nothing in it. It's just straight coffee and it gets black, me going. Black coffee is for emo people and war veterans. Nobody else drinks black <laughs> coffee other than those people. And I guess now maybe mailmen. We'll have to ask Lovell yeah. if he's drinking black coffee in New Hampshire when he's slinging his mail. Dude, but, why do you oh, think the mail is so fast in our town? It's the Marlboro USPS runs on Duncan. I'm telling you. If you if you see a, a mail truck screaming through a red light going a hundred down no. Hallmark, it's it's because Selly just finished his large ice black coffee at five a.m. and I missed the package. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, how do you feel about the? Uh, how long have you been using the Duncan app? Because I've been using that since college. Listen. Listen, I their have been new reward the, system is so dumb. Listen to me. I've been using the Duncan app for maybe a month. I haven't used <gasps> my points. I haven't. I haven't used my points once. I have three thousand five hundred and seventy-one points saved up, and I'm. That's I like three hundred dollars worth of Dunkin' Donuts. Listen, listen. <laughs> I go. I go every day before work, and I work every day. So I'm. I, 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 it's so embarrassing, but I probably spend literally at least like 
oh, 80 bucks a week at Dunks, maybe more. Oh my God. Well, listen, Dunkin' Donuts. Listen, I got to get the mail out. Well, what about, <laughs> what about Honeydew? You don't want to go to Honeydew? Yeah, fuck Honeydew. No, listen, tomorrow, tomorrow, go to Honeydew and get a medium iced mocha madness with just milk. It's the best coffee you'll ever have. Mocha what? Mocha madness. You can just call it an iced mocha. But I it's thought you mocha said madness. mocha mantis. And I was like, no, what is, no. <laughs> what is um, this? But the old Duncan <laughs> reward system, it was, if, if you got if you got 100 points, you would get a free drink, pretty much any drink, any size. And 100 points, it's like not a lot of money. Like if you get like three or four iced coffees, you get a free drink. But then they change their system to what they do now, which is like a tier system. Like if you get 400 points, you can get like a small iced tea or three munchkins. If you get like a thousand points, you can get a, a, a iced coffee, but you can't get a cold brew. That's not the way it used to be. And when they changed everything around on their app, everybody was going crazy on Twitter, like waging war on Dunkin' Donuts for the stupid decision to alter their reward system. And I was right in the heat of it. I was on the front line waving the flag. I still go to Dunk's almost every day though. So I, yeah. I can't complain. Well, I'm looking at it right now. It says $1 equals 12 points. Oh my God. So you really could add that up. I have 3,571 points. So oh, somebody who's smarter than us needs 12. to do the math and let us know. Yeah. Somebody, wait, hang on. Don't do many... it with the calculator. Try to do it in your head. I want to see what happens I, to your eyes when you're trying listen, to do math. Listen, 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 listen. I told, well, if you listen to last episode or two episodes ago, whatever that was, my frontal lobe is developed. So really, I should be able to do this in a matter of seconds. But a dollar equaling 12 points. I mean, it's how like, many? It's like from the hangover when like all like the numbers are like like the Zach Galifianakis yeah. meme when all the numbers are flashing and it's just trying to figure out how much money you spent at Dunkin Donuts. Listen, I can't I believe think, you were getting dunks because you've worked at the post office for a while now. I can't believe you were getting dunks here. every day without having the app on your phone. You were losing free money. Mel, I'm going to have a heart attack by like 35 because I legitimately <laughs> get Dunkin's every day. But I, I, in the time that we've been thinking um, or speaking, I believe 3,571 divided by 12 is somewhere around like 295. So where did you get that from? My frontal lobe. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you use a calculator? Did you actually get, wait, say the numbers again. No, I just did it in my head. Uh, the number, I have 3,571 points. So divide that by 12. I think it's somewhere around like 290 or 295, something like that. It's $330.92. Okay. So. Listen, listen, that's not that far off. I'll take that. I'll take it too, dude. But um, okay. Well, anyways, we got, we got something. The Bruins dropped uh, the Centennial list, the top 100 players in Bruins history. Um, some people left off the list that I would have liked to see there, and a lot of you would have liked to see there. Um, some people on the list that like I really don't think should have been there, and and that's nothing against the player. It's just Lionel Hitchman. <laughs> no, not even well, no, not kidding. even him, but like just guys who maybe spent like a playoff run here or they spent a season here. And it's like, how can those guys be counted? But we'll we'll go through that too. Um, but I mean today's episode, outside of that, really there hasn't been much Bruins news. So we're we're gonna jump into the DMs and shout out to you guys because you guys sent, you know, you guys answered the call and you sent a shit ton of DMs. So excuse me so we'll jump in we'll jump <laughs> those um and mel i i understand that we did get a direct message from across the pond over we in did. the united kingdom 
I didn't even know that we could reach people across the pond. So it was pretty <laughs> exciting when I saw this DM come across my screen. But it's from Jack. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Hello, a, Jack. At a Jack B <laughs> underscore. Hey, Jack. And Jack was talking about um, last episode, I think it was Ethan 2.0, who sent in the question about how we feel about people being fans of multiple yes. teams. And you and I went on a whole kind of spiel about it. And I think we're both in the same boat where you, you no, <laughs> like, like, you, like you're a super fan. To a certain extent. Yeah. And you can, you can follow other teams or, or I guess loosely be a fan of that team. But like, if you have two teams and you celebrate just as much for each of them when they win their league's respective championship, I feel like as a sports fan, like that's an unwritten thing. Like, I feel like that's just not allowed, you know? So, uh, so Jack said, Hey, part of your last pod hit a note with me as I'm a UK Bruins fan. And when you were talking about supporting multiple teams, it just blows my mind over here. We support one team from early doors and that is our team forever, no matter how dreadful we become. I've seen my football team. I think he's talking about soccer here, not to Americanize it. But he you said, should, "You should read this in a British accent." <clears throat> I've seen my football team get relegated more times than I've seen them lift the trophy, and have seen them play some of the worst football imaginable. Uh, an era known as. An era known to the fans as the Borough Banter era, and yet I wouldn't imagine switching teams for a second. Unsure if this multi-team support is an alien to more American listeners than UK fans. Big fan of the pod. In it, long live the Queen. I love King Charles. Hey, Jack. I hope you know that was all out of love too. <laughs> thank you for the. Thank you for the, thank you for the DM. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, especially soccer. Sorry, I'm gonna respect. Football respect culture. their culture, man. Yeah, I'm going to respect football culture right now, especially with football over there in Europe, too, with how big it is and how serious they take it. Um, I can see why his perspective on people over here being fans of multiple teams is, like, blasphemy, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I was just, that's what I was going to say, because, like, those – I'll keep it with the, with the Brit lingo. Those – the football fans over there are, like, absolutely insane. Even, yeah. like, the footage of, of when they have – I'm I'm gonna call it soccer. I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep the the when they have their soccer matches over there and like the crowds go insane when they have flares everywhere and like it's yeah. like I've seen clips of like PSG or like during the World Cup and like they can't even see the field because there's so much smoke from everything that people I, there's people throwing shit back and forth. People are getting in fights. I love it as a sports fan. Um, but to his point as well, like I know there's so many levels of soccer over there. How you have like the Premier League, the Champions League, and then like the leagues under that don't remember what they're called sorry but like my roommate from college his uh i think it was his uncle his whole family's from ireland and his uncle is a qpr fan i think that's what they're called right queens i mean you wouldn't know i guess i'm talking I have myself. no idea <laughs> is it queens park rangers or something like that hang on hang on yes queens park rangers dude i put nice. it in my ass nice. he's, a, he's a qpr fan i know they've had a, a bit of a tumultuous history but he's a diehard fan um but like I totally agree with that. Like you, you pick your team, and like even through like the shitty days, you stick by them because I feel like that makes like when your team finally comes out of it. Like look at all the Buffalo Bills fans right now. Like they were down in the dumps forever because they were the Patriots' little brother. They lost four straight Super Bowls. Who the hell does that? And now, like I know they just lost to the Jets last night on national TV without Aaron Rodgers, but still, like they have a lot to be excited about. And I feel like when you're when you've been a fan of your team through the lows, <laughs> stop crossing your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> when you've been a fan of your team through your low, through the lows, it makes the highs so much better. Um, like I, I remember when 
when the Red Sox are trading Mookie Betts, I was, you would not find, I liked Mookie Betts more than his wife did. Like I was the biggest Mookie Betts fan. And I would say back then, like wherever Mookie goes, I'm going. Like if he gets traded to the Oakland A's, I'm an Oakland A's fan. Like I will never forgive it by team for trading my favorite player. And they traded Mookie and like, damn it, it hurt. But I couldn't, I couldn't just ditch the Red Sox like that. So I've been a Red Sox fan. I'm still a fan now. I know they've kind of been up and down this season last year or two years ago during the COVID shortened season. They were ass. But I think that's just part of the whole experience of being a fan. And I think Jack hit it on the head there too with his own experience over in the UK. Yeah, Jack, shout out to you. Thank you for uh, listening to the show and contributing. I hope you like Mel's uh, British uh, interpretation. it wasn't my it was best. Pretty good. No, it was I'm pretty good. A, I'm a little rusty. I used to do it ironically for fun, and I used to convince myself I was actually British. So it's been a while <laughs> since I've had to break that out, but I think it was um, okay. Yeah. So let's jump into some of these questions. So, um, do, 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 do. let's start with uh, let's start with Ethan 2.0. So as always, he's sending the best DMs. Um, He's back again with the two parters. So as always, you can follow him on Twitter at incredible Mr. E seven. He says out of all the Bruins jerseys, which one is your favorite in terms of logo and color scheme slash design? His personal favorite is the men in black alternate Jersey. His second is the 2016 winter classic. So the men in black Jersey that he's talking about is the Bruins alternate in the early you know, 20 teens when they had the secondary logo that sort of looked like a trapezoid with the Bruins in funny font up top, the bear and then Boston underneath um, almost like a, like a, like a crest. It's the one on their shoulder, um, Mm -hmm. the shoulder patch that they put on the front of the Jersey. That one is so, so, so classic and so good. It's that, that Jersey era reminds me of like, Danny Paye, Sean Thornton, um, Milan Lucic, like that, that era of Bruins is what that Jersey reminds me of. And um, it's one of my favorites of all time. I really, really like a lot of their jerseys. I, I think that they rarely miss Um, the alternate that they've been wearing with the, um, the big gold B on the front lately. I like that one. 2016 Winter Classic is obviously a classic. Or, I'm sorry, 2010-2011 Winter Classic is a classic. Um, the the Pooh Bear jerseys this year, I think those are so, so good. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but I'm curious to hear what you think. You know, the Bruins, they're one of those teams where it's, it's, it's hard for them, I think, to get creative and to come up with a different – jersey than what they've had in the past because i mean they've had three colors four colors their history they're black and gold i know like way back when they had some brown in their jerseys and they've always had some sort of variation of a b for their logo i know they had the Pooh bear there logo for a little bit they had that kind of demented looking meth bear for a while there um i know they're 20 the the one they wore in the winter classic this year i thought was cool how it said boston with the bear underneath yeah. but um, the one that they wore, I had to look through the archives for this to get the exact year. The one that they wore in 1940, I think, is my favorite because it's different. I don't know if you probably don't have it in front of you, but it was it was a yellow jersey, all yellow with brown shoulders, and it didn't have a spoked bee. It didn't have a, a, a bear. Instead, it said Bruins in like cursive letters, almost like how like UCLA is written across their jerseys. 
And yeah. I just thought, I just think that looks so cool. It looks so clean, especially in those old, uh, old school style hockey that they were playing back then with the leather helmets and everything. That's like the only Bruins jersey I think I've ever seen where I kind of had to do a double take. I'm like, wait, is this the Boston Bruins? Like, that doesn't look like anything I've ever seen them wear. Um, but I don't do, what about least favorite? Do you have a least favorite jersey that the Bruins have ever worn? Oh, oh, yeah, I do. 100%. Which one is it? Which one is it? It's, it's the stupid, it's like the Anson Carter uh, era of Bruins hockey. The yellow Pooh Bear jersey. I was going to say that like, the mustard yellow jerseys. Yeah, like, yeah. Man, the grossest. Like, I just, I, I just can't. It's so wonder, gross. Like, I know we have the the centennial season this year. So the Bruins have the special jerseys. Also, there's been rumors that the gold on the jersey is going to be like uh, an actual gold, not like a yellow. Do you have any insider information on that? I don't, but this is one of those things where I'm kind of like, okay, the image that I'm creating in my head of what I think that's going to look like, I don't necessarily love, but I'm not going to comment on it until I actually see it on the ice. You know what I mean? Because yeah. even, even when they put out the the pictures of them right when they actually release them i still don't think that's going to do it justice until we see them on the ice um it'll be like uh is it a yellow and black jersey or is it oh yellow and white jersey or is it a blue and black jersey remember that the the dress oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like 10 years ago i I was so confused for i was like mel why the fuck why why would they go blue and gold yeah (laughs) i was waiting for your your frontal lobe to start picking that up listen (laughs) Listen, it's developed, but not that developed. <laughs> um, um, but I, I think it was Pete Blackburn who said it, and he said it was something similar to like Vegas or what Buffalo did for their, I think it was their fiftieth anniversary jersey. Um, and I don't know how much I'm gonna like that because the ones on Buffalo I didn't love. Vegas's sparkly jerseys are like, eh, I don't love them. So. I don't have a clear thought on it or, or, or sorry, I don't have a clear opinion on it yet, but the image that I'm creating in my head based on the information that we have now and the rumors, I'm not entirely excited about, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think if they do it right, I think it'll, it'll look cool. Like I'm imagine. first of all, we don't even know what the jerseys are going to look like. So like imagining like, the Bruins classic black jersey that they wore last year, but instead of yellow, it's gold. Like, I don't think there's any chance that the jersey is going to look like that. Like they're going to look different regardless. But I also want to give a quick shout out too to the Bruins, like marketing and social media team and everything, because I've, where are the leaks? Like I've never seen a more tight lip group of people like Bergeron retired three months before they announced it. And the Bruins like social media team had a whole, they interviewed everybody on media day talking about Bergeron retiring. And yet nobody knew same with Krejci. They recorded the videos three months before they retired and nobody knew except for the people who recorded the videos and they never said anything. And I'm sure like all these plans for what these jerseys look like, whether they're mock-ups or if they're actually like in the garden, like they're getting ready to load the pro like, People in the Bruins organization obviously know what these jerseys look like, and I'm guaranteeing you that the social media team does because they have to make graphics for it, and not a single leak. Nobody's saying anything, and it's pissing me off. <laughs> Dude, the, the this that's such a good point because the like 
the Bruins socials, the Bruins front office, anybody associated with the Bruins, they're, they're more tight-lipped than, like, the government has been about JFK. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Give, <laughs> like, them, the nuke, give them the nuclear codes. Like, we wouldn't find it. Because, like, when they had – when uh, yeah, had Don, their release Don Sweeney might have the nuclear football with him at all times. He honestly might. Like, when, <laughs> when the, the league and teams were releasing their new – their retro jerseys, like, there were leaks of those everywhere. Like yep. you could find leaks of those jerseys months before they were even announced. And like, here we are the centennial season. Like we, we, for the first time we just saw a uh, warrior ice arena, like what that logo is going to look like only because they were practicing there. Like right. all of this stuff that's been going on, everybody's been so tight lipped about and it's pissing me off. But anyways, about the jerseys, um, like looking back to like when the Bruins started, like it's felt like they've always kind of had the same design and then they've just kind of like upgraded it. Like yep. whether it, whether it would be like swapping out a color for another, like changing, you know, brown to black and then uh, maybe adding a second stripe on the shoulder or, you know, adding another ring on the B, adding the spokes around the B. Like it's always been like one kind of scent, except when they had those, you know, the Pooh Bear logo and, and all that shit. Uh, but it's always kind of been like the same concept for a jersey. They've just had a couple minor changes and for like the last 20 years i mean the bruins jerseys have pretty much always looked the same maybe a couple small variations but it's always been the spoke b the gold and the yellow stripes up top the double stripes uh you know around the waist which is why i'm excited to see what they're going to be wearing this year because it's not just going to be that like they're going to have some they're going to be they're cooking up something special in the lab and that with the gold inlay if that is what really what they're doing with their jerseys i think it's going to be a special season and i'm excited to see i'm going to drain my bag account buying some of these jerseys and i can't wait to see what they're going to look like i know dude speaking speaking of jerseys too there might be a little uh for all of our listeners here you're going to get a little sneak preview there might be a little giveaway coming soon oh So be on the lookout on obviously the Twitters and all social media or whatever. Dude, what if we had like a something's brewing Snapchat? <laughs> it was just like a day in the life. It would be it would be you just cruising down the street in your mailman truck and it would be me just like sitting at work. It would be the most boring Snapchat story. Ever. <laughs> it would be kind of funny. Like we just post stories. But anyway, just take some lasagna. <laughs> um yeah playing zombie nation in the background yeah but, guys are um, for dinner. uh let me see here so this next question comes in from uh the one and only bob uh sorry i just botched that bobby brewski uh you can follow him on twitter at bobby brewski um he said, do they invite Don Cherry to any of their celebrations for the centennial season or do they leave that can of worms closed Mm. do you think it's more likely that don cherry gets an invite or that mike milbury gets an invite Ooh, mike milbury yeah now that i think i, think, I, I don't think don local, will you know, come. i don't think he will either i don't yeah. know if he'll get invited honestly is yeah. he still is he still like working in i mean i know he's been he, he got fired a couple years ago but he doesn't do yeah. it anymore Nah, he got he got he got kicked out of that game a while. Although, what do you think would be more exciting to see the whatever Don jerseys? <laughs> what, no, I mean whatever jerseys oh. the Bruins are wearing night one, or whatever suit Don Cherry would pull up in. Don Cherry would probably come in wearing like some wild suit with a flower pinned to his chest and wearing like a bear rug. And they got to make sure they keep the microphone away from him. And he would I was, say dude, some terrible things. <laughs> I was just going to say, and he would be walking in with duct tape across his mouth. Him and him. They, and, nope. That's a nightmare. 
Him and Mike, Mer- oh my god, him and Mike Milbury <gasps> could have like a rap battle at center ice. Just dude, like- <laughs> Mike Mike Milbury beats him up with a shoe. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Don Cherry stays home. I don't think he's. I don't think he's coming. I hope we get a uh, a Claude Julian appearance. That'd be cool. I would love to see Claude back in Boston. I feel like I, I'm, I, he, I feel he has to be there. I mean, he was a coach of the team that won the uh, most recent Stanley Cup. So I feel like, I don't know, now that I think about Don Cherry not being there, it makes me kind of sad. Because, I mean, Damn. what is he going to be, the the only living coach to not be? What about, um? what was his name? Was it Mike Connolly? Who was the old coach they had in, like, the early 2000s? Mike Sullivan. Was it Mike Sullivan? It was Mike Sullivan, yeah. No, there was another one, too. Did I just make up Mike Connolly? <laughs> Brett Connolly's long lost brother. Oh, he's wait, he's a Massachusetts state representative. Wait, no. <laughs> was there a Mike Connolly on the Bruins? <laughs> hang on, wait, hang on. I gotta look at the Bruins list of recent coaches. Uh, uh yeah, but on the Don Cherry thing, I think that um I think that the Bruins PR just wants to avoid that situation as a whole, just because like, especially just because of the things, some of the things he said, it's just like, you don't really want him associated with the organization. It was Mike O'Connell. Mike O'Connell. Okay. I knew yes, it was close. Yes. I was right around it. He coached right before Mike Sullivan. State rep. <laughs> Mike Connolly. I've probably seen his, his like reelection signs around <laughs> while I've been driving around and stuff. Yeah. I don't know why he came to mind, but Wow, the Bruins have had uh Brian Sutter coach the Bruins? I guess so. Oh wait, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know who that I was, is. I was, I was like, that sounds so familiar that I opened his Wikipedia page. It's, it's a black and white picture of him on the blues in the 70s. I was like, wait, I don't know who the hell you are. I um, actually I on a little bit of a somber note as well, and this just kind of like popped in my head, but I did not know that member of the Bruins centennial team, hundred top hundred players in the organization's history, Garnet Bailey was on one of the planes that hit, I believe, the South Tower in in 9-11. Are you serious? Yeah. So I I was looking up some of his highlights earlier today and this dude is just he's a menace on the ice, dude. He's just like fighting everybody. There was one clip where he pulled the goalie out of his net and he just started <laughs> wailing on him. Like, and I didn't, I didn't know this dude. And, and I, I don't know. It, it's kind of, kind of a random, a, a random, uh, little tidbit, but yeah. Oh he, yeah. He was on the Bruins in the early seventies. Oh, he won a cup with the Bruins. Yeah. He was like, he was actually like really, really good. And I did oh, not shit. know that until someone posted that yesterday. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. I know. Um, but if you, but listening to this, this, if you camera. haven't seen any uh, Garnet Garnet Bailey um, highlights, literally the first one that's going to come up is him fighting a goalie. Literally pulled the goalie out of the net and just started throwing hands. He's, he's a Bruins through and through, baby. That's yeah, Bruins dude. hockey for you. That's he Bruins was, hockey. It says his his career came to an abrupt end on December twelfth. Oh, this is I'm looking at Ace Bailey now. From it was it was like Bailey's career came to an abrupt end on December twelfth, nineteen thirty three. I was like, damn, this Garnet Bailey guy was really old. And I was like, oh wait, no, never mind. It's forget it. Um, okay, <laughs> sorry, I got a million tabs open on my computer right now. Yeah, when you get a chance, definitely look up that uh, look up some of his highlights. It's pretty sick, and obviously good to kind of learn more about Bruins history, Bruins culture, uh, Bruins legends, but. Yeah, shout out to Bobby for the question. 
Um, this next question that we got comes in from Brett Howard, member of the Only Bruins pod. Um, follow him on Twitter at Brett Howard underscore. He says, with the prospect challenge coming up soon, he said, who are you most excited to hear slash see about at the prospect challenge? And I actually, if you have a few that you're excited about, you can go first, but I have more than one. No, I'm no, you can go see. first. I want to hear who you got. All right. So just in the forward group that's going, um, you got Brett Harrison, Georgie Merkulov, Fabian Lysel, Luke Toporowski, Matthew Patra, John Paranacci, Trevor Kruntar, John Beecher, Ty Halliburta, um, Joey Abbott, Curtis Hall, Julian Bayland, Owen Peterson, and Adam Machura. Defensively, you have Mason Lorai, Ryan Mast, Jackson Edward, Graydon Seitman, Ethan Ritchie, Frederick Brunet, Mike Callahan, and Blake Smith. Goalies, you got Samuel, St. Hilaire, and William Rousseau. Um, for me, outside of the obvious, obviously I'm excited to see, you know, Merkulov, Lysel, um, Lorai. Those are the obvious guys, but obviously Matthew Potra kind of rocketing up into people's radars over the past couple of years. I'm excited to see him and see how he's developed. Uh, Luke, Luke Toporowski has got a rocket of a shot. I want to see how he's progressed in his game. Um, Trevor Kuntar, who, if you guys have missed, um, me and Chris Davis, we just interviewed him on the Drop the Mitts Hockey podcast. Awesome guy. Awesome interview. Um, I'm excited to see him as well. John Beecher, let's see what he can do. Um, Mason Lorai, obviously. Jackson Edward, I'm excited to see. Um, obviously, member of the London Knights had a huge hit the other night behind the net. But, I mean, he's a big guy, dude. And, and seventh-round pick, Jackson Edward, I, I would keep your eye on him, dude. He's a – he's a he just seems like a like a made-in-a-lab Boston Bruin defenseman, dude. I want to – I'm looking at Jackson Edward's uh, elite prospects page. I want to I wanna read their bio of what they wrote for him. It says, The physical style of Edward's game leaps out immediately. He's violent, and he uses that violence to emphatically kill plays at the blue line and end the Jesus. cycle. If given space while receiving the puck, Edward often makes a positive play. He'll even draw on forechecking pressure by skating towards it or cutting back, then hitting the gas pedal before starting the breakout. If you ever hear a write-up of a guy and they say he's violent and he uses that violence to emphatically kill plays, yeah. you know you got something there, right? Dude, <laughs> I mean, holy I, shit. That's borderline, like... Like just criminal. <laughs> he's, he's nineteen. He's six two, one ninety five. I mean, that's not. I mean, it's not huge, but man, it's a that's you know pretty good sized guy. That's kind of a big dog, dude. I was I was at um Bruins development camp last year, and I got the chance to interview him down in the locker room. Um, you know, after they were all done, and I'm telling you, this dude towered over me. And I'm not really? like a I'm not a big yeah really i'm not a big guy i'm not a big guy but i'm not a small guy either and this dude is just like you could just tell he uh once he fills into his frame and he adds some weight and if he continues to develop another voice crack dude what is going on and if he continues to develop i mean he could be an absolute steal in the seventh round and you could be a monster on the blue yeah. line we've also we've got a little uh, we've got a prime time production scout up there in london and Brett, I know he's been talking about this guy on Twitter as well, but he's an exciting guy. What do you think about the Farinacci sequence? Because I know he's Farinacci a guy coming over from Harvard. I want to see yeah. what he can do a little bit. 
Um, I mean, Farinacci's interesting. I don't think he'll have any impact, you know, with the Boston team, but he could make some noise down in Providence. I mean, he, he's a skilled guy. He's smart, two-way player. Um, I believe he plays center as well. So kind of aiding in that center depth issue that the organization has as a whole. Um, he, he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on too, but all, all in all, none of the goalies I'm really – you know, keeping an eye on. We got Bussy. We got freaking all the guys. Obviously, Swayman, Allmark. Bussy's the guy to keep your eye on, and he's obviously not there. But let me ask you a question because sure. I'm not. I don't really follow Providence that much. I'm not too in tune with these prospects here. I mean, I know the big names. Like, I know the Fabian Lysel, the Georgie Merkulov. Even I know, like, your John Beecher, this Farinacci guy. I know a bit about him. I saw people tweeting about him. But this Luke. Toporowski fella I mean he had a pretty good he had a fairly successful campaign over a point per game player in the WHL last year in Providence 47 games 15 goals 29 points I mean when people talk about guys and he's only 22 like when people talk about guys coming up why do you hear your Lysel your Merkulov your um who's the other center right wing that I'm thinking of who can get some fourth line minutes this year oh my god he played in Providence I mean he played in the preseason last year McLaughlin Yes, Mark McLaughlin. Why do you hear about these guys and you're not hearing anything about this Toporowski guy maybe maybe making a jump or getting some time? I think it's just because the hype around them is a, is a lot, you know, it's a lot louder. Um, high, higher picks, um, you're familiar with them already. I mean, how many guys who are Bruins fans can, you know, rattle off the name Luke, to- Luke Toporowski? Not too many, right? <laughs> and, but I mean... I, th- I think this year, if he can really perform in Providence and, um, you know, as he did last year, I mean, 29 points in 47 games, that's not bad. That's good production out of the guy, um, especially in his first professional season. Um, but, I mean, if you really – if you if you sit down and you watch some of his highlights or his scouting reports, kid's got a nasty shot, and he's quick on his feet too. It's these – It's the, he's never going to be a star. And I think that might be the thing when you're considering him against a guy like Lysel. Like Lysel has the potential to be a top six guy. Luke mm-hmm. Toporowski probably as of now caps out as maybe a bottom six guy, maybe a third-line winger that can get you some points. Um, but Lysel's ceiling is much higher, and I think that's what it comes down to. And he's younger too, so um, the fact that he's doing all this at a younger age and, and – uh, impressing fans and scouts and and management the way that he is that's probably the main reason but that doesn't mean that Toporowski is a is someone who you should just kind of sweep under the rug like depth players as we as we've always seen in the NHL and hockey in general depth players are the guys who who make you succeed how many times on this podcast have we said you can't win a cup um you know with one great line or three or four great players like you need the depth and that's how you get good depth you find these guys who are kind of flying under the radar who are good players not superstars not not you know um perennial all-star guys you're looking for depth and i think that's where Toporowski could fit in in the future now let me ask you one last question here i want to talk a little bit about i hope i don't say his last name wrong portois maxime portois maxime portois matthew matthew Matthew, whoops matthew yeah maxime port is oh no maxime yeah yeah yeah, the guy (laughs) um but portois i mean second round pick 
uh, spent the last two years in the OHL. 2021-22, he had 50 points in 68 games. And then last year, he had 95 points in 63 games in the OHL. Completely exploded. Yep. I know people, have, of course, have been talking about this guy. I mean, he's been having some pretty um, exciting clips I've been seeing circulating about him, of, of him on Twitter and games and whatnot. I mean, what kind of impact or what kind of future do you think that I know it's still super early but I mean what kind of player do you think he could be in a Bruins system someday uh, I'm gonna be honest with you and this might sound a little bit crazy but the way that he's developing and the way that his his game is he's not a goal scorer he is a 100% nasty playmaker um, do you have his point totals up or his hockey DB his stats do you have him up right now yeah, I do for the last two years. So I think I, I think he had, what, 16 goals last year and 75-ish assists? Almost. He had 16 goals and 79 assists. He averaged okay. over an assist per game. Okay. So when you think about a center who's not a goal scorer, but he's an elite playmaker who can open up the play and find guys on the ice, does that remind you of anybody? Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> exactly who I was thinking of. David Krejci. David Krejci, dude. You're telling me. I mean, fuck, dude. We the Bruins have a center hole. They have multiple center holes, and they don't really have a guy coming up in the system outside of Matt. Let me let me let me let me step back. Yeah, let me let me step back for a second. They have guys in the system, but. In the past couple seasons, you've seen people criticize the Bruins for not having a plan post Bergeron, post Krejci. But, I mean, Matthew Patra is putting up numbers, and he's young. And if they can make something out of Matthew Patra, I mean, 70, 79 assists, dude, 95 points. Give it a couple years, and if this guy continues to develop and he adds size – to his game, I mean, you could have a you could have one of your solutions already in the system right now. Um, do I am I saying he's gonna fill Krejci's shoes immediately? No. Am I saying he's gonna have a career identical to David Krejci? No, I'm not saying that either. I don't have a magic eight ball. I, I don't. I can't predict the future, even though my frontal lobe is fully developed. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But the way that he's progressing, and the way that you see some of his his clips on YouTube, and the way he sets up plays, and his his um, vision on the ice, it's it's similar to Krejci, I think. Um, and that's. I mean, I, I'm excited for Patra. I'm really excited for Patra. Yeah, I mean, I know like the Bruins, obviously the talk has been that they have the worst group of prospects in the entire NHL. I mean, that we all saw heading into the season, I believe they were ranked, uh, I think they might have been second to last in overall prospects, and, and their goalies were ranked dead last, which of course doesn't matter because it just had the best one-two tandem arguably in NHL history last year. But right. to have guys like Portois who can pop or to have a guy like uh, Fabian Lysel or – um, you know, this Georgie Merkulov or if Mark McLaughlin can, you know, become a, a reliable third liner or something like that someday. I mean, they definitely have some guys here who can be contributors down the line. Um, but I, it, for this prospects challenge, it, like, is there an age limit? Like how young are these players typically supposed to be? Um, I, 
I don't have the answer to that to be a hundred percent honest with you, but I know, I know if guys have already started their seasons elsewhere, then they're not eligible to participate. Cause I was looking at the goalies and I was like, well, where's DiPietro or where's, uh, what's his name? Brandon, I mean, I guess Brandon Bussey, what is he too good for this or something? He's pretty young. Oh, isn't he like 24? Actually, that's probably a little too old. Yeah. But like uh, Mike DiPietro is 24 too. I thought he was 22. Well, I guess that explains it. But I saw the list of uh, somebody put together a list. I don't remember what the source was, um, like ranking each team's top prospects. And Mike DiPietro was pretty high on the Bruins list of, uh, of prospect, which is a guy that they, they got for practically nothing when they traded Stickman out West. So the Bruins, they have a couple of good young goalies too. I mean, of course, Swayman's 24. He might be 25 now. I mean, of course, that's not even including Omar. He's not young, but he's good. They still have Brandon Bussey. They still have uh, this DiPietro guy. And, and now they're sending two goalies here to the to the uh, Dev Challenge as well. I mean, I don't know anything at all. Never even heard their names before of Samuel St. Hilaire or William Rousseau. But I mean, if, if, if these guys are, are promising, I mean... Goalies are valuable too. I mean, you can never have too many goalies. If you can ship, if somebody, you know, if any of these guys are promising, you can ship some of them off in a deal somewhere. Yeah. Who knows who you can get back for them? Yeah. Those, I would say those are the, the guys we're most excited about for the prospect challenge. So shout out, Brett. Um, the next one comes in from Tommy Bennett, running with the Devils. Shout out. Tommy. If, you're Devil, if you're a Devils fan or if you're uh, just a hockey fan in general, check out Running with the Devils. He's been writing some great articles as well. Yes. Actually. You check those out on our, on the Primetime Productions website and the yeah. Primetime Productions Twitter account. I know he writes yeah. a lot about the Devils, obviously. He's been writing stuff about the Red Sox. Um, make sure you check those out because they're great articles. Yeah, he's a monster. Um, so shout out to Tommy putting in the work. But um, he asks us, who is your biggest X factor for the Bruins entering the season? And before we answer, you can follow Tommy on Twitter at TJ Bennett 37, three T's at the end. But uh, I think we kind of touched on this a couple episodes ago. Um, my X factor for the season, there, there's, there's a couple, but if I'm going to pinpoint down on one, um, oh, I'll say a couple. I'm gonna say Hampus Lindholm, definitely an X factor. You gotta, you gotta, you know, anchor that second pairing, um, and, and be as productive as you were last year because that was huge. Um, Jake DeBrusque obviously has to be able to produce in the top six, whether he's playing first line minutes, whether he's playing second line minutes, um, and prove to the organization that he didn't only have a successful season last year because he was playing with Bergeron and Marshawn. Prove that you know you can do that without two Hall of Famers on your line. Um, and obviously missing Bergeron and, and other guys in our offense like Krejci step up and, and help replace some of that offensive production. Um, who else? Oh, Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle. I just Hell named yeah. off like half. I just named off like half the team. Yeah, no, but... keep going. It's fine. <laughs> um, what about you? Give- if I had to, I'll give three as well. I think okay. the the most immediate obvious one is I totally agree with you and Pablo Zaka. Big year for him. First, I mean, hasn't been announced yet, but I think a lot of us expect him to be your your new one C, getting some first line center minutes, playing with probably the best set of teammates on his line that he's ever had, whether it be Marshawn and Pasta or Marshawn and Nebras. So I want to see what he can do in an expanded role in this offense. Because last year, I mean, we were looking at the numbers uh, a couple episodes ago. And he was like within 10 points of Patrice Bergeron for point total playing primarily third line minutes. I'm pretty sure he was only like 
before I say anything, I'm going to look it up, but I'm going to say it anyways, because who cares? I'm pretty sure he was only... You look up Zaka, look up Bergeron. Okay, I'm pretty sure he was only like three or four points behind Bergeron. And I know Bergeron had more goals. He was 20, 27 goals last year. Okay, I have I have Bergeron's points right here. You guys are Bergeron was at 58, right? Yeah, yeah, 58 and 78 games. Um, Pavel Zaka passed this past season had 57 points. Holy shit. So he was only yeah. a point below Bergeron playing third line minutes. And, and six less goals. Only six less goals. And he definitely did not have uh, the same level of wings next to him that Bergeron had. And he was playing third line minutes. Yeah, exactly. So I want to see what he could do this year with first line minutes. I think he's an obvious X factor. I'm also thinking... Before, before we move off of Pavel Zaka, the, the biggest thing in terms of his game that's going to make him progress is that he hits the freaking net because oh, how many yeah. times have we seen him take a Dude, shot he misses the net by like thing. a mile i'm telling you it's a check thing he, <laughs> he doesn't have bigger net nets in the check republic he doesn't hit the net and Krejci doesn't shoot the puck yeah. um but no i would he's definitely an x factor and then maybe a little bit out of right field but what about morgan geeky i mean your Ooh. bottom six he might be your only consistent player who's going to be in your lineup every night in the bottom six. We don't know who's going to be on his wing on the third line. We don't even know who's going to be on the fourth line. But you do know that Morgan Geeky will be there centering your third line. He wanted an expanded role based off of his production last year in Seattle. He's in Boston. Um, I know he's still playing you know, bottom six minutes, but I want to see what he does with this opportunity because the Bruins, they should be... Oh, I know they have... Um, kind of two glaring holes, I guess I'll say, in their first and second line center, but they have enough to get by, definitely, with their supporting cast and the wings. Bottom six, it's kind of a dumpster fire right now in terms of we don't know who's going to be playing. And I think that they're going to be okay because the Bruins had the right mix of players, but it would be huge if you could get a big season out of Geeky. Like, if you could have a, a, a season this year, maybe not to what Charlie Coyle did last year, but if he could come at least a little bit close in terms of production, if he can hit, like, I don't know, low to mid 40 points centering your third line. That's a big win. I would take that as a, as a, as a step up from last year. And I think that would go a long way in helping to build some depth uh, between this Bruins, these Bruins offensive lines here. My last person is, I think I might've said him before, but I'm taking Brandon Carlo yeah, uh, for, a, for a million reasons. I mean, I know um, he's, actually done a fairly good job of staying healthy the last couple of years. It's just been the concussions, but he is so important to that defensive unit. Um, he's a rock down there defensively, um, and he's the perfect complementary piece to Hampus Lindholm. So I want to see not just him, it's bigger than uh, Brendan Carlo. I want to see your top four, especially stay healthy this year. Um, that includes, I guess now Grizzlick as well as McAvoy, Lindholm and Carlo. Um, so those are my three X factors for this year. But honestly, you could go through this whole roster because it's a, it's it, every every player I think has something to prove this year. Every player has a chip on their shoulder from you know Marshawn maybe having a uh, Sanders chest a leadership role all the way to McAvoy trying to improve upon um, how the last season ended, the playoffs and everything like that. Even to the goalies, the way that everything happened in the, in the playoffs. I think everybody has something to prove this year. So you could. Jim Montgomery's my X factor. I mean, <laughs> dude, that's not a bad thing. It's really not. It's really not. Like you could really say anybody. Right? Don Sweeney. Let's see what he can do with with this cap situation and what's this team moving forward. I mean, everybody's an X factor, dude. That's why I'm so excited for this season. Like, there's so many. There's 
there's so much room for activities in on this roster. <laughs> 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 there really is. You could you you could there's so many paths that you know Jim Montgomery can choose, that Don Sweeney and Cam Neely can choose. Um, especially with the bottom six. But I love the geeky pick too, because he I like you said, I think he's really the only guy that's solidified down there in that bottom six. Maybe Trent Frederick too, JVR. You know, I feel like that's up to Jim Montgomery, but yeah. um, yeah, I mean, you could say everybody's an X factor. This is gonna, yeah. it's gonna take a, it's gonna take an entire team effort to bring out the best in everybody, and that's not a bad thing either. Yeah, and there's also a ton of flexibility. I mean, you can move guys. I mean, a lot of these guys. A lot of these centers, I should say, can also play wing. You have a couple wings who can also play center. Like I know Geeky can play wing and center. Frederick can play wing and center. Um, some of these guys have have played multiple roles in the past. And when you can do that, you can put guys up and down the lineups. And like we were talking before, of not just building you know, your first line, second line, third line, but maybe your defensive line. Maybe here's a more physical line for when we play smaller teams. And here's your speed line. And we can, you know, they got physical defensemen. Like there's things you can do with this team that you could do last year, but I feel like this year you can use it more as a weapon and implement it, you know, strategize more coming into games instead of just rolling out your first line and rolling out your second line. So there's a lot to be excited for. I think we're going to see a lot of changes. Um, and I, I mean, we're getting close. You said it when we started the episode. We're like, I think like a month away from the preseason or something now. Like it's it's not right even no, month away from regular season. We're like oh two and a half. God. We're like two to two and a half weeks, something like that, away from preseason. So think, what's like two three episodes until <gasps> the regular season starts? Thank Lord, God. dude, this Thank shit's God. been this shit's like you and I. This shit has been so hard the last I couple know. months. I wasn't when when the Bruins lost to Florida. I. The, the first thing I'm sure you could look at your text right now. The first thing I said, the first text I sent when the Bruins lost in the first round of Florida was I texted you and I said, "What the hell do we talk about now?" Because like it's going to be so dry over the summer because all we're going to have to talk about is players leaving and the disappointment of this of the season. And there's only so many times you can talk about that. There's only so many times you can bang the same drum. So that was I'm trying to scroll all the way up to see if I can find the text. Yeah, I'm looking right now too. I'm trying to do it Damn, based on like, I know. <laughs> um, let me I see. But gonna be able to find it. Um, don't mind the silence as we both try to <laughs> I just find... got past the. Did you did you answer his call? <laughs> <laughs> um, but as we as we go to try to find this, I'll read off the next question. So shout out. Uh, shout out to Tommy for that question again. You can follow him on Twitter at tjbennett37. Um, you can follow his podcast on Twitter at Running with Devils. Um, awesome show, especially if you're a Devils fan and just a hockey fan in general. It's awesome to hear his perspective on the Devils and the Metro, and and you know obviously their team becoming uh, fucking juggernaut in the Eastern Conference. Um, but. Yeah, shout out to Tommy again at Running With Devils and at TJ Bennett 37. Um, the next question that we got in the last question of the day comes in from Bees Memes. Shout out to Memes. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Bad Bees Memes. And he asks, What are your biggest surprises slash slubs from the top 100 list? Oh, that's a good one. Damn it. I, I, just wanted, to, I wanted to dumb it down. And pick one each for myself. And I have my two that I picked. 
if you want me to go first as you're scrolling through the texts, I'll go first. Yeah, you can go um, first. I mean, wait, when did when did the Bruins lose to the Panthers? Because I'm all the way up in June now. Um, I think it was April. I think it was late April. Okay. I, I tried to wipe that from my memory. But um, for me, for the biggest snub and the biggest surprise on the Bruins 100 list, I might catch some heat from it. I might not. But the biggest surprise to me as an individual, I'm going to say Phil Kessel. I think really? Phil Kessel. Yeah, I, dude, he played. He played three seasons with the Bruins. Um, not none of those seasons. He surpassed 60 points after he got the 60 point season. He was traded to Toronto and then he went to Pittsburgh and then he went to Arizona and then he went to Vegas. <laughs> Is Phil Kessel a great player? Absolutely. Is he one of the, you know, um, funniest players of all time? For sure. Is he a Stanley Cup champion? Absolutely. But to be a member of the Bruins top 100 after playing just three seasons in Boston, you never won a cup here. Um, it's kind of weird to me. I don't know if I if I really liked that that pick. Overall, though, the top 100 list for the Bruins, I loved. I I, I think the the all, all the members that were that were you know selected to pick that that list, Ty Anderson, Connor Ryan, Joe Haggerty, um, I believe Dale Arnold, uh, and, and Billy Jaffe, and probably Brick too. The list goes on. They did a phenomenal job. I just think Phil Kessel was a little bit of an odd pick and i also thought initially they were going to go like 100 to one i thought it was going to be like a list like that you know what i mean not just 100 guys but either way um i think phil kessel was a weird pick and this is kind of going against what i just said but a snub that i'm thinking of what about a guy and i know i'm gonna catch heat for this but what about a guy like Michael Ryder. Michael Ryder spent th- Michael Ryder spent three seasons in Boston, um, one of which he won a Stanley Cup. Um, I mean, that playoff run that he had in 2010-2011, I don't know why I keep saying it in a, in a multi-year facet. The 2011 Stanley Cup final run um, that, you know, he, he was on with the Bruins that eventually made him a Stanley Cup champion. Um, I'm trying to pull up the stats right here. Do 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 do. Do do do. Twenty-five games played, seventeen points, one amazing glove save. I mean, Michael Ryder was—he uh, was awesome. He, I mean, Michael Ryder to me deserves to be in the top 100 more than Phil Kessel. Yeah, and no, that's that's my opinion. That's my. I stuff. was, I was. By the way, Fred, I just want to say, I I think I found it. Uh, you texted me and said, what should our itinerary be today? I said, dude, I have no idea. The Celtics? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, but no, I mean, I, I was curious about how they selected this. I mean, is yes? Wait, did you do you still have those text messages up? Yeah. Do you have what I was when we were texting each other throughout the game? Because now I'm really curious. Oh, no, I, I scrolled all the way back down to the bottom because I had to look at the picture you just sent me. Oh, that's okay. Damn. Um, no, I was curious about how they were able to come up with these names. Is it like the same thing that you and I were doing when we were doing our um, 
greatest Bruin ever thing. We're talking about the retired numbers. Cause like, if you're talking about like the most talented Bruins of all time, then a lot of these names shouldn't be here. If it's like the most important, I guess, or like influential Bruins of all time, then maybe some of these names make sense. Cause like, I mean, I love Sean Thornton, but I, like, no, come on, dude. He's no, no, no. Percent. But like, you look at these names and like Bobby or Ray Bork, Chara, Bergeron, Byron Defoe, Ken Hodge, Joe Thornton, and then there's Sean Thornton. Like Joe just, Thornton was a little weird one too. No, Joe Thornton honestly can, kind of confused me too. Amazing player, but he was in Boston for like what three years, and maybe I get like he wore the C, but I mean he he's not known for being a Bruin. He's he no. spent his entire career after that with the San Jose Sharks. So Joe Thornton surprised me. Sean Thornton. When I saw Sean Thornton, it kind of confused me because I was wondering about how they came up with this list and like what they took into account. Because if you're talking about like some of the most polarizing Bruins figures, like Sean Thornton, when I think about the Bruins of like the 2010s and like those mid 20 teens, like Sean Thornton's one of the first names that comes to mind. Like he kind of was Bruins. Like he was like the last. The Bruins haven't really had enforcers since Sean Thornton was here. But like in the grand scheme of things, like he was a fourth liner. Like he always like he never got heavy minutes. He would go out there and beat people's faces. And so I was just kind of confused as to why he would make a list such as this but then i don't know i'm not the one who made it um <laughs> but there are definitely some some names here that i think are deserving of being here um who did you say um for what oh, for oh michael Ryder. Yeah, yeah i was thinking that michael Ryder could be on there as well what about like if if sean thornton made it andrew ferentz made it what about yeah. like adam mcquade mcquade would have been a great pick too i mean he was on the bruins forever uh, i mean he Is was he never on the list no, he's not on the list. I mean, he's not a top four guy, but, you know, of, of course, he still works with the Bruins organization. Um, but, like, if I see names like Andrew Ferentz on there, I mean, Dennis Seidenberg was on here, who I think deserves it because he was uh, a legitimate, like, top three defenseman when he when the Bruins won the Cup in 2011. But, like, Adam McQuaid, like, I thought if some of these names are on there, I thought Adam McQuaid might get a pick over some of these other guys. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, trying to think, too. And also, we we do have one more one more question as well. Um, from E2.0. I forgot it was a two-parter. Um, we'll jump into that. He said, who in your opinion was one of the worst signings of a um, of a player who actually played on the team? Not counting Mitchell Miller. He says, Bolesky or Ronaldo? Oh. Oh. Well, that's... I'm going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. I think it's Ronaldo. Because <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna do it two ways. I was like, "Well, who was the worst player? It was Ronaldo. Who, like, what offer was worse? Well, the Bruins gave up like a third round pick to get Zach Ronaldo. So, mm-hmm. which I think is worse than the what five mil AAV that Matt like like Matt Bolesky came here and he had like twenty six goals one year or something like that. Like he he had one year where he kind of actually popped off. Zach Ronaldo sucked. And that was the kind of, and, and I remember when the Bruins signed Matt Bolesky, it was like, wow, like, okay, why? Like, I know he just put yeah. up like fairly respectable numbers in uh, Anaheim, but he was also like playing on a line with, was it Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff? So like you, you could, you could put me on that line and I'd probably, I'd probably bag you 15 goals, but he came to the Bruins his first season in Boston, 80 games. He had, 15 goals and 37 points. I don't know where the hell I got 27 from. Maybe I was looking at his points, but right off the bat, like when you sign that contract, I feel like 
the 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 majority of people knew that he wasn't worth that amount of money, but I guess let's see what he can do. But when the Bruins traded, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was a third round pick for Zach Ronaldo, a guy, a second round pick. Yep, it was a second round pick for Zach Ronaldo. I'm I'm almost a hundred percent certain because I remember that coming across my screen, and I think I just stood still for like an hour. Like that was the kind of trade like that. Like everybody remembers where they were when the Bruins traded for Zach Ronaldo. They traded a a second round pick. I want you to guess what his career high in goals is as well as points. Career high in goals. Yep. 12. I was originally going to say seven. He scored more than three goals in his career once. Oh my God. (laughs) When he bagged. Five goals in 53 uh, games with the Arizona Coyotes in 2017. Oh now, my God, he went off. Now, yeah. Now, take <laughs> a guess of what his career high in points is, now knowing that. I mean, he had to get an assist here and there just because. I'm going to say, I'm going to say his, holy shit. I'm going to say his career high in points is 17. His career high in points is nine that he got when he was a rookie. He never even had. He double- never had double digits. Take it this way: the year that the Bruins traded for him, they traded a second round pick for this guy, and Zach Ronaldo had three points in fifty-two games. The, the, there was the the number representing the draft pick that the Bruins traded for him was only one lower than the total amount of points he had for that entire season. Oh my god! They, and but I so I think that's why it was worse because like when they traded for Zach Ronaldo, I think everybody was like, everybody knew right away that that was just a boneheaded move. At least right. with Bolesky, you could kind of be like, oh, I don't think that's not going to be a good contract, but I could at least kind of understand his thought process. Yes, right. I with, think. Oh no, it was a third. It said the uh, ooh, the NHL NHL.com actually took that page down. Wow, maybe he's uh, <laughs> calling in some favors, trying to have people forget. We didn't. <laughs> we never, never. Yeah, it says Flyers have acquired a 2017 third-round pick from the Bruins in exchange for Zach Ronaldo. I mean, is that the greatest fleecing of all time? It might be. <laughs> it, might, it really might be. I mean, we were talking about the Louisiana Purchase last episode. I think it might be <laughs> Zach Ronaldo. Wait, now I'm curious. You said 2017? Yeah, I want to see who the Flyers took with that pick. Yeah, hang on. 2017... Uh, NHL entry draft. It was a third round pick. Yep. Um, let's see here. Oh, they took Travis Konechny. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. Oh, they didn't. They, I mean, you ready for this name? Yeah. Kirill Ustamenko. Oh, that's that. That's that guy. Yeah. The all star guy. He actually. Um, Wow, I don't. He never recorded a single point in his career. <laughs> so you can say it in, in AHL. Hey, you can oh, he's a he's goalie. He's a goalie. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you can say the Bruins won that trade. Oh my God, he's a goalie. He's never I recorded think, a single point. And I mean, Linus Allmark has, but all Linus Allmark could probably outscore Zach Ronaldo. But Zach Ronaldo get, has. Has 17 more career goals than Linus Olmark does, and Zach Ronaldo played almost 400 games as a forward that's, in the NHL. That's crazy. Um, I think for me, the worst signing just to be different because yes, Boleski, yes, Ronaldo. Um, 
I'm going to say this might be unpopular, but I think it's logical. David Backus. I was I was just looking up his numbers because I was going to say him if you picked anybody else. Six million dollars, five years. And the first season wasn't bad. Not bad. But after he got hurt, it went completely downhill. Um, it, it didn't work out. It could have worked out for sure. Um, but six million dollars for Backus for five years in his later age seasons was not. It did not work out for the Bruins in the slightest. No. But with that being said, though, their thought process on it, I can agree with. You can't you can't have the foresight to see an injury like that happening. Although you can see the foresight in an aging player who plays physical, kind of you know on the backslope of his career. Um, what's the word? Not what's the opposite of progressing? What's the um, antonym for regress? Regress. Thank you. You got it. Yeah, uh, you know, part of me, I kind of feel bad for David Backus too, because to spend your to spend your entire career in St. Louis, and then to leave that team so you can finally have a shot at winning the cup, join the Bruins, just to then get benched, not play in the Stanley Cup final against your old team who you lose to. Yeah, I mean that. I I I would not sleep. A, I I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't slept a single second since 2019 because that would be all that I would be able to think about missed opportunities. But his last full season in Boston, to your point, 70 games played, he had seven goals, 20 points. The David Backus, unfortunately, that the Bruins got was a was a very injured David Backus, and he wasn't the same dominant force he was in St. Louis. But yeah, that that's a good pick. Um, and also notably, all three of these guys that we named were all under Don Sweeney. All under Don. All under Don. Trader Don, baby. I still think his his uh, beneficial signings outweigh those bad ones, but those oh, bad definitely. ones those bad ones are bad. I think um, I I think like I've I've always kind of been on the fence about Don Sweeney. I think if it was up to me, I he would have been the one to go. Like when they fired um, Bruce Cassie last year, I was like, no, they fired the wrong guy. It should have been Don Sweeney. But after what Don Sweeney was able to do this year and the players he got, how he got them, and to push all the chips to the pile for. Bergeron and Krejci like he did everything he could and he assembled the monsters like that team was ridiculous and I think everything that he did last year kind of outweighed some of these negative things and now I have a clean slate I like Don Sweeney now I have trust in him I have faith in him and now for the first time in quite a while he has an open future he can do what he wants I know he don't have a draft pick for the next couple years because he traded those away which honestly might be better off with some of the players he selected in the first round but he has upcoming money he's got his couple superstars locked up he's got goalies galore like let's see what he does like now it's time to make the bacon damn it like i want to see yeah. what what don sweeney's gonna do with this team moving forward and i'm excited to see what he does yeah and like that's why i don't understand the people who are who were saying uh, you know when bergeron and crazy call the quits i don't understand the people who had the mindset of like oh this team is screwed like blow it up trade pasta trade mcavoy trade Olmark now like like blow it up and get these younger players to start this rebuild it's like no like we're in a good position we don't need yeah. to rebuild anything we don't we, have we, to do that yet <laughs> yeah don don sweeney and and cam neely and the entire bruins front office did a great job of preparing for this moment um you know yeah i think they're they're solid they're they're fine they might not be like a. They're they're not going to compete for a president's cup trophy, I don't think, but they're not going to be a terrible team either. It's they did a very good job. Yeah, and like I know, like in the past too, like we've always talked about this Bruins team for like the last 
six or seven years, it's almost like they're playing with like a ticking time bomb because you don't know when Bergeron's going to hang him up. You don't know when Craig is going to hang him up. We found out a couple years ago that Tukaras was hanging him up. <laughs> it was always like, like we don't know when this core is going to end it, so we have to push everything to the pile right now. And now that they're gone, I feel like it's it's your window has increased so much because it's not just like we need to get it done now. We need to trade our prospects now. Stop crossing your eyes. You're making me. <laughs> I can't even focus on what I'm saying because I'm trying to not look at you. I gave myself um, a headache. But now, <laughs> but but now that they're gone, and and you don't have this closing window anymore, like David Pasternak, who just got 61 goals last year, you just locked him up for eight years, and he just turned 27. Like Charlie McAvoy is 26, Hampus Lindholm is under 30. Like Jeremy Swayman, who you think is your goalie of the future, is 25. Even Linus Olmark is 29. Like they still have their window is like they don't have to worry about pushing all their chips to the pile anymore. I mean, you still want them to make moves and to be as competitive as it seems as they can be. But it's not like we enter every season going, oh my god, like this is it. We gotta do it this year or else we're screwed. Like let's like we're not mortgaging the future anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. Like our time is now and it's gonna continue for the next hopefully decade or so, which I think yeah. is exciting in its own right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Our time is now. Um, yeah. But <laughs> uh, no, no Randy's random inquiry this week. Unfortunately, the the kids stuck at work. Um, oh, wow. He Hollywooded us, huh? Yeah. He came unless... in, he got his 15 minutes of glory and he just used us and left. Oh yeah. And if you're a Patriots fan, uh, go check out, his and his best friend Andrew's uh, Patriots podcast, the Dropback. Um, it's a you can find you can find it on the on the prime <laughs> primetime productions net website. Go there, click on the NFL Dropdown NFL podcast. You'll see it right there. You can also follow them on Twitter. I believe it's at Dropback underscore. Yep. But I know now that football is in full swing. I know we're not a football pod, damn it, but we do like to talk about it sometimes. Uh, Patriots just started last week. The two Andrews talk about Patriots football as well as they sprinkle in some NFL dialogue as well. So I would definitely go check them out if you haven't already. We also have, we're not just hockey over here. We also have basketball as well. I know we have the cross-court connection. They are every weekend they drop a new episode. Um, yeah, but I'm excited to get some football, some football content. I know Andrew, I listened to their first uh, two episodes that they put out and hilarious stuff. If you didn't get that from listening to our last <laughs> episode where, where Randy came on and he was asking us the ridiculous, I had so many people like met, like message me or text me like, dude, it's 10,000 crap. It's, it's 16 billion crabs every single time. The way that that kid's mind works and to hear him talk about football too, it's, it's good fun. So definitely check it out. Is. Yeah, it's good fun. Um, and they're both wicked knowledgeable of, about football too. Um, if you watched week one, I mean, that was a fucking insane game. I really thought oh, they were going to yeah. pull it out. I really did. But um, yeah, go check them out. Um, their shows are only going to get better. Um, but Outside of that, I mean, that, that should wrap up this week's episode, uh, episode 58 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Again, brought to you by the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow the media account on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Um, you can follow our Bre- Something's Brewing Twitter account at Brewing Something. Shout out to you guys. We just hit 500 followers. Popping bottles. Bah. Um... You follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Um, with that being said, this was episode 58 of the Something's Brewing podcast. 
brought to you by Primetime Productions, and we will catch you guys all next week. Bye. All right, I'm going to edit this. All right, I'm going to take a shit. I had two bowls of chili today, so I really got to go. Kevin's chili? No, no, mine was in a bowl, not on the ground. (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, peace out. Love you. Love you too.